This is Beyond the Bell Tower, where an elite group of North Carolina State University students give us a behind-the-scenes look at their steps to success. These students, who are in the top 10% of the country, are active in student support services at NCSU. These students are low-income and first-generation college students. Nationally, this population has a 10% graduation rate. Here at NC State, these students have a graduation rate of over 90% and go on to become doctors, dentists, accountants, and engineers. They work at Google, Apple, and the NCAA. Some have even earned PhDs at Ivy League colleges. These students go well beyond the bell tower to attain their eminent goals. Kalisha and I welcome you back to the second part of our conversation. So the advice that you've given is kind of like the first step any student can do is just to monitor, just yeah. to keep track. And like Mint.com does that for you. Yeah, with Mint you can so. set up um, categories. You can designate different places as different, you know, like um, mostly I'm pretty sure it's in- intuitive. So if you go to a movie theater, it's going to register those like entertainment mm-hmm. or whatever. But they can also set reminders for your bills and, and help you know like what bills are going where and like, you know, is it is your electricity super high and it kind of shouldn't be or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a friend that uses Mint and she really likes it. I just haven't done it yet since I'm so loyal to my Excel sheet. Um, but I, you don't I may cheat look on into your it. Excel sheet. Yeah, I may look into it. I'm sure you could do both. Yeah, I, I don't think there'd be a problem with doing both. It's a good way. And, you know, if you set a budget for yourself with Mint, say, okay, I want to spend $40. I don't want to spend more than $40 on entertainment or whatever. You designate that category in Mint, and then it'll give you alerts when you spend money, and it'll automatically calculate it. Whereas with me, if I, um, what I tend to do is with spending money, groceries, gas, um, fund money, those kind of things, I take out in cash, and I keep them in my wallet designated for that category. A lot Mm -hmm. of people kind of are apprehensive to that. And then I keep track of it that way. But if I don't have the cash and I'm just swiping my card, then I have to go back later and calculate how much money do I have left Mm -hmm. in that category, which that's a great thing that Mint does for you. Mm -hmm. No, that's been advice for the last 20 years Mm -hmm. is to, you know, physically have the cash. And then when that cash is gone, you have to stop spending. Yeah, that's it. And it takes some self-control because you can't just go to the ATM. But there's been research that shows physically, you know, there's a a physical connection with paying with cash. You know, you see that money leaving you and you tend to want to hold on to it a little bit more. And um, I use the cash system as much as I can. Mm -hmm. Because that's the thing with money is it's very emotional. Yeah. I mean, they actually say people would rather discuss their divorce than their credit score. Oh, sounds right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so um, what are your emotions with money well even with your family like how do you um how do you view money like did you get stressed out about it do you get happy about it do you yeah. get sad about um, it so I used to be embarrassed you know that was really a, a thing that I an emotion I felt especially in school I didn't want people to know I was on government assistance I didn't want people knowing kind of what was going on in my life and then even at some points in high school but it got even stronger in, in college I was like man why am I embarrassed about this? This is not my fault. And there are lots of other people like this, and I'm not going to be ashamed. Um, my emotions now are pride. I mean, 
I am in no way what I would consider to be like well off, <laughs> but I do own a house. And my boyfriend and I own a house together. I do have a car, a nice car that I'm making payments on that I plan to pay off in the next three years. And, you know, I am really proud that I was able to either manage things myself or ask for help and get the appropriate help that I needed to manage those things to get to where I am. And the other emotion I, I feel when it comes to money is hope. Um, I know that after I graduate from my master's program, I'll have a nice job. Hopefully I have a nice job. <laughs> um, yeah, you will. And okay. I'm hopeful that, you know, we, my boyfriend and I as a couple can continue to, um, you know, increase like our, I guess, salaries so that we can live more comfortably, but also give back. I mean, that's really important to me. I, I am not shy about telling people how much money I make. I make like somewhere between seventeen and $19,000 a year. Um, I'm not exactly sure because I did get a little bit of a raise, but... Um, Which is poverty. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and I still do programs that help others. I work with a nonprofit that's called Passage Home. And I, um, in, the, in the summer, I do a backpack program where I spend about $30 to $40 filling a backpack with supplies for a, a kid in Raleigh that needs school supplies, which I think is incredibly important because education is one of the best ways to get out of that poverty you know, lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also, um, around December, I go with the same organization to buy Christmas gifts for a kid in need. And that, I think this past year it was like $70, which $70 is almost a month's worth of groceries for myself. And that is something that was important to me. So I worked it in the budget. Maybe I spent less on myself that month, but you know, I feel a lot of hope that I can keep going forward, keep giving back to people. And that's ultimately um, what I really want is, you know, obviously people are like, oh, I want to, you know, keep making more money so I can buy a boat so I can (laughs) go on vacations out of the country. And those things are going to be great if we can do it. But I really want to give back. I have a lot of goals, life goals that are all about giving back. So I -hmm. hope that I'll accomplish them one Mm -hmm. day. Good. Well, and I know, too, with money, a lot of students, especially low-income students, have fear. Mm-hmm. Like the fear to take out loans, yeah. The the um the fear of contacting family or the fear of asking somebody for help and then them telling them no. Yeah. So what I would say to those people, first of all, there's no reason to fear the money that you can manage, right? Mm-hmm. If you understand your money, you know where it's going. It's not going to be as scary. First of all, when it comes to asking people for help, you just have to recognize that that's part of life and asking for help or being needy you know needing help does not make you weak it makes you strong it takes a very strong person to ask for help when they need it and I'll also say that the worst somebody could say to you is no which means you're not any worse off than you were (laughs) but somebody could you know I'll, I'll tell you this even where I am now, I still asked my great uncle to borrow a hundred bucks for when I go abroad in in two weeks, Mm -hmm. just because I don't want to spend, I don't want to use my credit card or my debit card because those rack up fees. Mm -hmm. Right. So I asked, and it was kind of, I was like, Oh, I don't want to ask him, but I did. And he said, I would love to give you a hundred dollars to borrow and I'll pay it back as soon as I, you know, get back and I'm reimbursed for that trip. Um, but it just, it does feel uncomfortable, but I'll also say that nothing good ever comes from anyone's comfort zone. So mm-hmm. just get out of there. Um, as far as loans go, I think, especially right now with everything that's happening with the current administration, there's a lot of uncertainty with loans. 
Um, the federal student loans you're yes, talking about? Yes, federal student mm-hmm. loans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I recognize there are loans that come from other places as well, but a, most students get federal student mm-hmm. loans. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, do not be a victim. Understand what's happening. I know, I still don't know everything there is to know about student loans, and I definitely didn't come in as a freshman. And there was no way my parents could help me because they certainly didn't understand. And I think that's a lot of, like, the situation for a lot of people who are low-income students. Their parents can't really help too much. But understand what is expected of you. Read your promissory notes if you do accept a loan. You know, really do the research. Well, and I think that's the thing, like, with student support services, that's what we hope to be able, you know, to break down that language. Yes. You know, and what it actually means. And then, too, hopefully, like, with the financial aid office, you know, saying, you know, what does this mean? How does this loan compare to other loans? Like, what's the risk? Yeah, they're going to answer those questions for you because that's their job. And... Mm -hmm. You just have to ask those questions because they can't answer a question that you don't ask them. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be very scary to take out loans because it's kind of like this impending thing. And, you know, it when you're stuck in a situation where you don't make a lot of money, it can sometimes be hard to imagine a time when you will. And we're all going to college. We're all getting degrees. So we're bettering our lives. We're going to make sure, you know, we have a nice job when we graduate. And you just have to remember that those things um, – not to say, you know, you're putting it off, but, like, they're not necessarily always something you're going to have to worry about right now. Keep right. it in the back of your mind, but you're going to have time when you graduate, you get a job, to pay back into those. And, you know, even if you end up taking – I have a, a friend who took out a lot of loans, and the payments for those were going to be, like, $500 a month. Mm-hmm. And she just said, look, I can't pay that, you know, even with a good-paying job. The company adjusted the payments and, you know, helped set up a payment plan. Those places don't want you to default. They want your money. and right. Like the federal student loans are not predatorial. Right. Not yeah. right now. So, um, <laughs> Positive cut, energy. Positive might have energy. to cut that out. Um, <laughs> but, you know, definitely try to get federal loans before you get private loans. Those mm-hmm. are often, they often have higher interest rates and they are more predatory. They take advantage of students, who, especially low income minority mm-hmm. students who don't know what they're getting into. Um, and, you know, just communicate with your loan provider. Um, I, my loans, my student loans are through Great Lakes. And when I was in AmeriCorps, I put those into, um, deferment Mm -hmm. and they were really great they said yeah you know you can make a payment anytime you want if you like to you are not expected to make payments until this point my loans are currently in deferment I do have time out now what is deferment yeah so deferment is basically when you're not paying you're not expected to pay on your loans and and you can go in deferment for a few different reasons one you're not making enough money or you have like a financial hardship two uh, you're going back into school um, I think those are the most mm-hmm. common ones. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if there's other ones. But I went into deferment when I was in AmeriCorps because I was making $1,000 a month. So I was not making enough money mm-hmm. to pay student loans. Mm-hmm. And um, I did accrue interest at that point. Mm-hmm. So you do have to recognize you will be getting an interest at that point unless you're in school. Mm-hmm. So if you defer it in school, I don't think you get interest unless your loan is unsubsidized. Right. And the interest rate isn't that much. No, I think mine are like three and four percent. I think one I have is six. That's the unsubsidized one that I took for to pay my fees, my graduate fees. Right. So and that's the piece of that's a really low interest rate in comparison. Yeah, I did have someone talk to me and say, you know, um 
I don't want to take out a loan, especially because the only one I have an option for is unsubsidized. And I said, well, let's look at this. How long do you have until you graduate? How long is it going to be like accruing interest right until you can really pay on it? And then what's the percent of that interest? What's that going to come out to you? And I think it was like a few hundred dollars. And I said to the person, is a few hundred dollars, you know, worth your sanity? Like, are you going to be happier, healthier, able to pay more attention for your classes and your schoolwork with that loan versus living paycheck to paycheck versus Mm -hmm. spending all your grocery money on books and stuff like that. Or even late fees. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's the big piece because like what types of bills do late fees? Um, A lot of utilities do. Yeah. And they might not for the first one, but if it's consistent, definitely you're going to get late fees on that. Credit um, credit cards, mm-hmm. phone, your cell phone. Rent. Rent, yeah. definitely. And that's when it gets expensive. Car payments sometimes. Mm-hmm. Where I can, I try to have things automatically drafted out. Mm-hmm. because you know. But I still have to be aware of that because I don't want to spend all well, my money. And overdrafting. Then, yes, which is another great thing about the credit union because the credit union, if you have a checking account, you can also set up a savings account, which is called a share account. And they will automatically pull from your share account um, if you you know if you sign up for that when you join the credit the credit union um, to do overdrafts and you have like six transfers until um, six transfers this is a federal like regulation mm-hmm. six transfers from your savings to your um, well checking. from your share to your savings. yeah, yeah to yeah, your yeah, yeah to yeah. your checking that does count as one but um, well, and that's the piece that don't always fee you for it, right? So you take out an unsubsidized loan for however much, <clears throat> and you're going to end up paying two hundred dollars basically over your lifetime. You know, of yeah. this extra interest. Yeah. But how much will you save in potentially like late fees? I yeah. mean, that two hundred dollars will go. Quick I'm pretty in sure late fees. my credit card late fee is like twenty five bucks. Mm-hmm. Maybe fifteen, but twenty five yeah. times that's eight months worth, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> eight months worth. <laughs> and then, you and know. what's a late fee for rent now? Who knows? Usually that's it's a percentage. A like it could be up to five percent, five or six yeah. percent. And if you're paying four or five hundred dollars, that is a lot. I don't. I'm not sure what our late fee is, but luckily mm-hmm. we have it on automatic draft mm-hmm. out of a separate account, so like we should not mm-hmm. have to worry about that. Um, but yeah, it it can seem scary, but if you're informed and you make sure that it's something you're going to be able to, right? Like and you, I, you know, and that's the other thing I always try to say is when they talk about the student loan crisis, mm-hmm. they're talking about people who owe eighty grand or above, yeah. you know, or sixty grand and above. And so with Pack Promise, which you were Pack Promise. Yes. What was your total amount of loan money when you graduated? So I graduated with about $12,500 worth mm-hmm. of loans. That ended up being about 3500 or so a year. Um, I did come in with some scholarships that first yeah. year, like I mentioned. So that lowered it, but then I turned around and did need to buy a computer. So I took out a loan for that, um, which the school, NC State, actually offers like a computer loan mm-hmm. for students that's um, that qualify that's subsidized. So that was really nice. Um and then I did AmeriCorps, which paid when you, with this program, when you complete your service successfully, you receive an education award in the amount of that year's Pell Grant. So that was like $5,700. Mm-hmm. And I did have to take out like a $3,000 unsubsidized loan for my graduate fees, which luckily I won't have to do that for this. I'm, you know, graduating in the fall, Mm -hmm. but in the fall, um, my advisor is going to be covering those fees. Mm -hmm. So I think right now I have like $9,000. 
Right. So what would the monthly pay? Do you have you looked up what the monthly payment I is? I think like a hundred and something. Mm-hmm. I'm planning on paying like three hundred something. <laughs> soon as, hopefully, you know, depending on my, my yeah. salary when I graduate yeah. so that I can um, pay that off quick and right. save the money for interest. Like right. I have a plan now to pay down my student loans and my car payment in um, like three years and then start paying down my right. mortgage because that's how you save a lot of mm-hmm. money is by not paying interest, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so I mean, that's the thing. So you're getting an undergrad degree and a graduate degree for $9,000? Well, if you count, around. yeah, if you and if you count also, like say I didn't do AmeriCorps, that's not... Well, no, but that's the thing is you did it. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so $9,000 I mean, for two degrees. Right, so you invest, you're investing $9,000 to now make, you know, 50, 60, you know, and then, yeah. right. So it's like the return on investment. It's like, you know, would you pay $9,000 for six years of education to then have an earning potential that's only going to increase, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's definitely worth if, it, I would say. But you just have to make sure that you mm-hmm. are informed because, mm-hmm. you know, it, there are private, you know, loan services right. that will take advantage of right. you. Right. And so that's the thing is being informed mm-hmm. versus just being fearful. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't be fearful. You know, you have the ability to, you know, reach out to these resources to ask questions to fully understand and if you understand it, you can't be fearful of it. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, like the average homeowner mm-hmm. is like in their 30s mm-hmm. and makes more than 20 grand a year. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. how did you do it? Like we got a first time home buyers loan through the credit union. Mm-hmm. Again, the, the awesome credit okay. union. And again because I bought this house with my boyfriend, like both of our incomes were counted and yeah. at the time we got approved. I think we were making like Fifty thousand, like right. it ended up, you for know, two people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for a household, so we got approved. I mean, our house is nothing fancy. It's a nice house. Like I'm proud of it. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a nice house, and, um, it's almost brand new. Well, it's or, it was built in the fifties, but oh, it um it looks. You it's been pictures yeah, it's it been renovated nice. since then, and mm-hmm. um, it's on a half acre of land in Garner. So, like, I'm super excited about it, and it fits mm-hmm. our needs. It's great. But um, we got this first time homebuyers program, which allowed us to finance 100. percent So we did not put down a, a down payment or anything like that, mm-hmm. and. We um, also, with that program, you can finance up to $2,000 of closing costs. So out of pocket, we paid for our due diligence and our earnest money, which are basically parts of the process when you, you know, you make an offer, your offer is accepted, and you have all this time to do your inspection and do your, you know, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. That's basically something you pay into the current owners to say, hey, I want you to take your house off the market, I'm interested, blah, blah, blah. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, that varies based on how much the house, how much the list price of the house Mm -hmm. is. But we paid, um, I want to say, $200, $250 earnest uh, due diligence, Mm -hmm. $1,000 earnest money that did come out of our pocket. Mm -hmm. We paid $300 for an appraisal, and we paid like $475 for um, an inspection. Mm -hmm. So it was like, it wasn't free, you know, Mm -hmm. like we paid some Mm -hmm. stuff. We had to dip into our savings for that. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, um, our mortgage payment is $790 a month. 
And I know that's good and well. less than rent. That's I mean, definitely less, less than rent. rent. We were looking at, you know, and it, it kind of hurts me that I have a big dog. It's hard to find a place to rent that will allow a big mm-hmm. dog. Um, most places want to charge you outrageous either one-time pet, pet mm-hmm. fees or charge you pet rent every month. And so we were and looking And that's at, why you should not have a pet during college as an undergrad, right, Alicia? <laughs> I think you should be fully informed before, you know, recognize that pets take a lot of attention. Things can go wrong. I have lots of stories. I don't regret a thing because I do love my dog, but it was a trying time. I, I, I think I remember you saying, I now know why you advised me not yeah, to Sarah get a dog. Sarah was like, maybe now's not a good time. And I was like, nah. <laughs> that was a financial decision that was, you know, going back to like, you know, what's a mistake? That was a mistake. Just underestimating, you know, what can possibly go wrong. Mm-hmm. But I will say I had a lot of helpers along the way. I had so many people who helped me with that dog and helped me get the help that, that he needed for his anxiety issues and um, so many places that I still again want to pay it forward to but anyway um you know our rent for what we were what a house that we're looking at now would rent or that we're living in now would rent for at least eleven hundred dollars a month Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that's three hundred dollars a month difference um and you know that mortgage payment includes our property taxes and it includes our um escrow like that's our escrow Mm -hmm. it includes our um homeowner's insurance so mm-hmm. 790 a month all inclusive you know not including utilities and stuff mm-hmm. but all inclusive for the house payment and the insurance and property taxes so mm-hmm. yeah i mean buying a house is you know a good choice with certain things you know knowing yeah. that you want to stay in the area yes don't just buy a house because like you don't want to rent if you don't plan on staying in the area because you know they they tell you our, our we had wonderful realtors they um told us you know you really want to be able to stay in a house for at least five years to like make your money's worth and my plan is to stay here for at least five years pay it down real quick and then rent, if we need to leave rent it out to college kids with big dogs since there's a market <laughs> for it yes. and it has a fenced in yard so a few years from now if you're listening and you need a rental house <laughs> <laughs> well and that's the thing is when the expense turns into an investment. Yes. Where yeah. something that was expensive at one time is now making you money. Yeah, exactly. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's one of those things like don't count yourself out. Don't think, yeah. I only make, you know, 20000 Yeah. I'm young. Yeah. That I can't make this decision. Right. Again, be informed. Yeah. Because you never know. Exactly. And I think one of my friends makes like forty five thousand dollars a year and which is a good like that's an expected salary for somebody with a college degree Mm -hmm. she's single and she just bought a house too so Mm -hmm. and it's a nice house it's bigger than ours it's older but it's bigger and it you know it has a lot of a lot of good things in it so Mm -hmm. um you know Mm -hmm. if you're a you got to look at your situation make sure it's Mm -hmm. right for your situation and um you know do it Mm -hmm. oh the other thing i wanted to bring up um and see how much we can get into it, but sure. with time, is when you have more money than your family. Mm-hmm. And so, like, how do you manage that where if you have more money, you know, obviously you want to help out your family, yeah. but it, at what risk? Yeah. Or, so, luckily, that's not too much of a case now. I'm super thankful for that since my mom is working full-time and she makes, you know, she's doing much better but there was a time when you know things were tight for the rest of my family when I was living in Raleigh I was you know I think it was like junior sophomore junior year um and it's not necessarily bad to help them 
obviously they're your family you want to and and most times they want to borrow the money they don't just want to take it but you have to ask yourself is this something you can afford if this is going to come at the cost of you not having groceries you not being able to buy your books then don't do it and just explain that to your family they're your family more times than not they're going to understand that um but again, remember I told you earlier, don't be afraid to ask. So that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're asking. And if you have to be, you know, be the person that says no, then say no. Um, I think, you know, there was a time when I loaned my family some money to make a mortgage payment so that they didn't, you know, fall behind. And I know it hurt my mom to have to ask me for that. She did not want to do that. Um, and that money was money that was reimbursed from me from loans, reimbursed mm-hmm. to me from loans. So... You know, she knew it was kind of holding out in my savings for emergencies for myself. And she, I mean, she was really upset to have to ask. And she paid me back. Like, it was fine. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at that point, I said, look, I can help you now, but I'm not going to be able to help you every time. And she knew that, you know. But um, you just have to ask yourself, is if you're going to have to sacrifice something you need in order to fulfill this, then you just can't do it. You, You know, and again, I feel like in most cases, if your family knows that you would go without they may not you know they may not want you to give it to them anyway so mm-hmm. you just got to ask yourself those important questions and it hurts to say no but you have to realize that sometimes you just got to do what you got to do for yourself you know mm-hmm. you have to look out for yourself mm-hmm. yeah because with some families college is viewed as a luxury yeah not as an investment yeah and yeah so and you may have to overcome to that, that. Yeah, yeah you might have to overcome that and you know a lot of times that involves just reminding people look this is going to change my life it can change your life um we're going to get out of our you know poverty situation we're going to i'm going to be able to get a good job and have a good life and you know i think my family had no problem seeing that luckily mm-hmm. but there are a lot of families who um you know they kind of discount what you're doing and and mm-hmm. you know maybe think that you're being selfish and sometimes you just have to remind them especially like we talked about earlier a lot of people feel emotions when it comes to money and you may just have to remind them you know you're looking at it you know differently than I'm looking at it and just kind of try to let them know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah no exactly exactly um Because that's actually the research shows, the statistics show, is that once you earn a bachelor's degree, you will never return to the financial level that you grew up in, like as a low-income student. So that's the piece where your children will then have access to a higher level of education, a better... Um, physical environment, better access to health care. So then they then will go on and achieve even more than you did. So literally, like, that bachelor's degree is going to improve the entire trajectory of your family. Yeah, and... um... And so that's the piece of giving them $200 now versus the ability to give them, you know, or provide them with resources that equate up to, you know, $1,000. Yeah, yeah, when you're in a situation where you can do that. And, you know, the time and time again has been shown that education is the way out of poverty. But you, you know, if you're giving all your money away because you feel guilty that you're here doing that to try to change your life, it's not going to help you much. You can't make it to class you can't eat so you can't focus you know you, you it's it sometimes feels like you're fighting a losing battle when you're a low-income student in college but there are so many resources and you just have to know where to go who to ask and when to say no mm-hmm. now is there anything else you want to add that we haven't talked about 
I mean, I think that's really mm-hmm. everything, you know. Just know that getting in charge of your finances will empower you a lot. Mm-hmm. It will give you, you know, a huge one-up. My boyfriend, between my boyfriend and I, I'm the one that manages the money, you know. Mm-hmm. We're not married, so we don't have a joint checking account right. yet. Right. Um, trying to convince him to get one for us to have for our utilities. But anyway, um, I'm the one that manages that stuff, and I cannot imagine not managing it. Like, I would I would be so micromanaging, <laughs> like, if he was managing it. So it feels good, and, and I know that I'm in charge of that, and I can make the decisions, and that, that works for me. Um, but also just knowing that nobody is going to take advantage of me because I know, you know, what my level is, or, like, I know what I can afford and those kind of things. So, um, so it's like, yeah, the first, you know, months, two months, three months of of putting time, energy to managing your finances is going to be anxiety provoking. Yeah. Because a lot of people will avoid because they don't want to deal with the anxiety. Yeah, that they don't comes want to face with. that. Yeah. Yeah. But avoidance isn't helpful. No, that's gonna make it way worse. I would just say, you know, recognize that the beginning might be a little uncomfortable, but then it's gonna be super comfortable when you can live within your means, you can make everything work and um, slowly build yourself up out of that. And again, I'll reiterate, um, nothing good ever comes from comfort zone. So <laughs> yeah. you'll have to get out of that comfort zone and um, you, it'll really help you grow as a person. And I think it's so super important. And you know, I'm grateful to have had a friend like Ashley who, kind of got me started on that and my mom I mean my mom and my the rest of my family have been helpful with me when it comes to finances now my mom does give me some money I try not to take it from her because <laughs> I'm stubborn but she does give me money um you know here and there for gas or for like whatever um but you know they were supportive and and not everybody has that but everyone especially um students who are in student support services Students who go to NC State, there are so many resources here. And if you don't know, then ask around. Ask, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. your advisors and ask people um, in your classes because those resources are out there and they're there to help you. Yeah, and that's the thing is I'm always learning of new resources every month. Mm -hmm. So that's the piece that I would advise students is when you come into contact, you know, with people is literally is, is there anything I should know? Yeah. You know, is there you know any resources for food what do you know about health care mm-hmm. what do you know about clothing because new stuff is popping up all the time yeah and also people know of other things mm-hmm. too and it's best it's like if you ask then you have the knowledge of multiple people yeah yeah, yeah for sure you fill for your sure. toolbox <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly well, thanks, Kalisha. Yeah, Next, my pleasure. Yeah, we'll um, have you on to go into the, hopefully, like, the mortgage application yeah. and how you got into graduate school and all of that stuff. Yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> okay, thank you. You're welcome. TRIO Student Support Services Program and Student Support Services STEM are federally funded college retention and completion programs. These programs focus on academic, personal and career support for under-resourced undergraduate students. At TRIO SSS and SSS STEM, our goal is helping our students reach their goals. We are currently accepting new students to our program. Apply today. Go to www.ncsu.edu to learn more about student support services at NC State.